and welcome to the Afternoon Buzz. I'm Dan Torres in for Buzz, who is under the weather today, but should hear, should be here tomorrow. Uh, who And he will be talking about all the breaking news that's going on uh, with the January 6th commission and also uh, the Parkland shooting uh, trials. And so everything will be updated tomorrow. He's going to be a very busy person tomorrow. Hopefully he'll be here. But we got it's Thursday, so we have Brian. Brian, take it away. Thursday is my day. So, uh, Buzz, we hope you feel better. But again, my name is Brian Adams, and I do the science and sustainability piece. And uh, you just heard the, the weather. It's high winds. It's heavy rain. But who cares, right? The most beautiful place in the world to be in the fall is New England. And rain, wind... Uh, whatever. We've got the leaves just popping right now. I was a little scared with the drought, thinking that uh, that we wouldn't get the color, but boy, they are turning, and it, it is gorgeous out. Uh, and what better place to enjoy the fall than a closest Audubon sanctuary to you? And we have a wonderful Massachusetts Audubon sanctuary in Arcadia in East Hampton. Marvelous. A number of trails, diversity of natural areas. We've got a forest, meadow, grassland, marsh, wetlands, riverbank, all permanently protected land. And here to talk about that today is Jonah Keene. Jonah is the Connecticut River Valley Director for Massachusetts Audubon Society. Jonah, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. One of, if there's a silver, such a thing as a silver lining to the whole COVID thing, it's that people went outside, uh, embracing the natural world, finding solace and safety in nature. Um, I'm wondering if you saw that, Jonah, at Arcadia. Was there an upswing in use to the sanctuary as people were desperate to uh, try to preserve not just their health, but their sanity? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, we saw it at Arcadia. We saw it at High Ledges up in Shelburne. We saw it at a number of our sanctuaries across the state. Um, and really, you know, it's, it highlights a really important point. We, we saw it during COVID, but it's not just during COVID that nature plays this important role for all of us in our, both our, our mental and physical well-being. And COVID came out because we realized we couldn't be inside together, so people found ways to be outside. Um, but they saw how beneficial it was to be out and enjoying time together out on the trails and that's really what we're working to do all the time, you know, not, not just during a global pandemic, but all the time trying to get folks uh, out there enjoying the natural world and realizing the benefits that it, that it has for all of us. Let's, let's stay on that theme for a minute, Jonah. Trying to get kids off of their screens and out into the world seems like a real challenge these days. I mean, they just want to hole up in their basements or in their rooms or wherever they got and... Uh, and huddle around their phone or their or their computer. Can you talk about some of the efforts that Mass Audubon is doing to try to get kids involved in the natural world, get them off off the screens and into nature? Yeah, you know the main way we reach kids is through uh, school programs and after school programs, and then summer programs. So you know various programming that we reach out to kids through. We you know we have public programs that are primarily focused at on adults and uh, families with younger kids. Um, but as far as the, the age that's spending a lot of time on their devices, the, the main way that we connect with them is, is through school and, and summer camp. And those are opportunities for us to, to introduce the wonders of nature for 
especially for kids that you know don't get a chance to play in nature in their backyard uh, or haven't really explored it the way that they can with us to help really understand and you know what's what's so amazing out there. So we do it through you know a wide range of programs that reach school age kids of all ages throughout the region. Uh, where we're bringing them outside, we're exploring, we're investigating, we're, uh, you know, and seeing, seeing, digging in the dirt and, you know, seeing what's out there. Um, so, you know, we're hoping that that's really uh, building a, a foundation to get them excited about nature. And, you know, the video games are, are going to be a pull. I, you know, I did them too when I was a kid and, you know, I, I still love nature. So that, that's going to be a part of it. We're sure for these kids. Uh, but as long as they have nature, uh, that foundation in there uh, and that building that that bit of a conservation ethic at a young age, we're, we're really hoping and seeing that that has some longer term uh, effects for, for what they're going to be able to do as they as they get older and can leave their devices behind a bit. And school groups actually come to the sanctuary to do nature walks and to interact outside. Is that right? Or do you just go to schools? No, yeah, we do both. We do both. We are, you know, an old school model was really more of, you know, school comes for a day for a field trip and isn't it nice and explore. We do, we do some of that, but we really are moving more towards the uh, multiple engagement. So it's like a, you know, more of an uh, intensive uh, opportunity, more, more contact hours with the kids. So we'll, we're aiming our, our ideal model. And this is something we do actually with all of the, the third graders in Holyoke where we, we go into the school and do a couple of lessons, classroom lessons first, and then they have a culminating event where they then come on a field trip to Arcadia. So that, that's our preferred method to, to have a combination, uh, but we work with the schools and you know, meet, meet the needs of, of each school um, separately. It must be so cool to watch the faces of these kids coming in, some of them from the inner city that really don't have a chance to get outside all that much, have them wander the trails and at Arcadia. That just must be so exciting. It's exciting. It's moving. It's just like, you know, it's incredible. I remember the first year we did this Holyoke program, we were asking the kids questions like, you know, how many of you have been out on a walk in the woods before, been on a hike? Uh, You know, it was a very small number who had done it before. So we were there like, wow, this is the first time these kids are going on a hike in the woods. What an amazing opportunity that we can provide that for them. Uh, I remember one kid asked the teacher, uh, what, what's a hike? You know, what does that mean? Um, so like just to be able to introduce these ideas and introduce like, oh, yeah, you can get out and then find frogs and, you know, and see the beauty of what's out there. Uh, it is really a, it's exciting and it is, it, it's, it's moving. I've, I've teared up many times seeing the impact of our work. And you really can't overstate that. I mean, the, the, the transformation that takes place when a kid finds a frog is life-changing. I mean, it really is. Like I said, it's an amazing, uh, you know, euphoric experience to, to connect with the natural world. And we're so fortunate to have folks like yourself and your staff going out and, and, and making those connections. And you actually have a nature preschool at the sanctuary too, right? So it's not just the we, third graders, but it's a little, little ones coming in. That's right. Yeah. I mean, we're, that's really our, our goal is to is to get everybody out there all ages. And we know if we start early, we can build those connections early. So I, when I first started working here uh, almost nine years ago, I, one of the things I was most impressed with was the nature preschool. This, this school started in 1976, a nature-based wow. preschool. It was, it was cutting edge at the time. Uh, now it's a really established idea. Let's, let's start this early. 
Uh, and there's, there's programs like ours all over the state and all over the country now. But ours was one of the first nature preschools in the country. Um, and it's incredible. I, my, my second child is there now. My first one went. And so I get to see really firsthand and from both, both sides uh, of how impactful it can be to, to be outside at that age and learning about nature when you're just three and four or five years old. Oh, that is. Uh, and yeah, yeah. One other, one other quick note on it is, you know, COVID pushed us too because before we had sort of inside and outside time. COVID pushed us to really be outside. So now we are a fully outdoor preschool year, uh, school year round. So all through the winter, uh, out there in the rain, in the snow, in the cold, uh, and it's I just. I just think it's the coolest thing to get these kids feeling like, oh, there's no, there's no such thing as bad weather is our motto, right? You just got to be prepared for it and be outside and, and enjoy and discover the wonders of nature. Yeah, that's, that's a great saying. No such thing as bad weather, only challenge, maybe challenging weather when it's <laughs> right. 20 degrees. Well, let's pivot, Joan, and talk about climate change. We talk about a lot about climate change on this show. And I know one of the priorities statewide that Mass Audubon has is dealing with issues around uh, around this climate threat and the existential threat to to all of us, can you talk about some of the issues that you're involved with at uh, Mass Audubon around climate change? Yeah, you know, climate change is huge. It is the you know this ma- this major threat on our planet, um, and because of its uh, its sheer the magnitude of it, we're going at it in a lot of different ways. You know, we don't have one one approach, um, and you know. So really, all of we all of what we do is ultimately somewhat connected with with addressing the climate crisis. More the more direct aspects of what we do. There's the advocacy side, which is such an important part of the story here. I think you know we all those of us that talk about climate change know we need to uh, push for legislation that's going to really move us forward with making the changes we need to see made. Um, so that's such a key part is our advocacy team. We have, you know, card carrying lobbyists that are that are working in Boston uh, and really pushing our legislature to to implement strong, sound climate policies. And a, and a big sign of that was this climate bill that we just passed. You know, we were really pushing for for this climate bill that we passed in the state this year. Um, and we also really took advantage of our large membership. So, you know, we have you know, 150,000 members, and we're really working on mobilizing our membership to make those phone calls, to push to push our government to, to make these changes. And when that uh, bill was sitting on the governor's desk waiting for a signature, uh, we did we mobilized with many other organizations to get the phone calls in and, you know, push them to sign it. Uh, and Mass Audubon actually had the largest impact, had the largest number of people that called in and really pushed to to push that over the over the line to get it signed. Wow! Well, congratulations, so, you know, that, that, Jonah. We're, yeah, we're, we, 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 yeah. We'll continue on this theme of climate change in just a minute, but we're going to take a little break right now. We're talking with Jonah Keene. Jonah is the Connecticut River Valley Director for Massachusetts Audubon Society. He's based at the Arcadia Wildlife Sanctuary in East Hampton, Mass. And listeners, if you've never been there, you need to go, particularly now with the fall colors bursting out there. But stick with us, and we'll be right back. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Wild Buzz thing. Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. But I want to know for sure. Come on, hold me tight. 
When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Modest, very minimal increase in the police budget, largely uh, due to just regular contractual um, obligations. Holyoke is nothing like Northampton and Greenfield. The quality of life uh, issues or demographics, very, very different. So I can never compare our police departments. The challenges we have going on in our city are very, very different. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. The pipe creature will be there, and the delicate giants. The clay masks, too. Plus, the toilet paper faces. Mummenschanz, the visual theater troupe, a Saturday afternoon at UMass. Mummenschanz celebrates 50 years with a performance of greatest hits and a peek at their future. Mummenschanz, resplendent on the big stage of the Frederick C. Tillis Performance Hall at UMass. Bizarre shapes and objects spring to life. Mum and Chance is pure joy for young and old alike. Witty madness, says the New York Times, dazzling and delightful. Get tickets at the UMass Fine Arts Center website. A Saturday afternoon with Mum and Chance, October 15th, 3 p.m. at UMass. Hi, this is Jessica from Fitness Together. I meet clients every day who tell me that as the number on their scale grew higher, their self-esteem dropped lower, and going to a traditional gym absolutely terrified them. Here at Fitness Together, we'll work with you one-on-one, -on -one, either virtually or in one of our private suites in Amherst or Northampton. We'll help you set and reach your fitness goals, and most importantly, smile every time you look in the mirror. Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. Your self-worth is worth Fitness Together. If you're struggling to pay bills amid rising inflation, you have plenty of company. A new Lending Tree survey found an increasing number of consumers are late paying at least some bills. 32% have missed at least one payment in the last six months, mainly because they didn't have the money. Digital license plates could soon be coming to your state. California has just approved them for all cars and trucks. Officials say the digital plates make it easier for consumers to update their registration. It also makes it easier for police to spot cars with expired plates. Kia is recalling as many as 70,000 SUVs equipped with trailer hitches because the wiring harness can cause a fire. The recall covers certain Sorento, Sorento Hybrid, Sorento Plug-in Hybrid, and Sportage vehicles equipped with tow hitch harnesses. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with Jonah Keene. Jonah is the Connecticut River Valley Director for Massachusetts Audubon Society. He's based at Arcadia Wildlife Sanctuary in East Hampton and Northampton, a wonderful jewel of uh, conservation and enjoyment and nature in the valley here. We were talking about climate change, and Joni, you were talking about adv advocacy work that Mass Audubon does, but uh, there's more to it than that around climate issues as well. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, before I switch off advocacy, one other quick note is we do have a new program called Climate Champions. And, and for years, especially here in the Valley with our very 
uh, vocal community. People have been saying, how do we get more involved? How can, you know, how can we help Mass Audubon get, get uh, legislation passed? Um, so we have a new program called Climate Champions, which is just that, which is for our members, anybody to sign up and to become a part of our team, to, to get trained and be a part of our larger team of raising voices and helping to push policy. Um, so it's, it's, it's exciting to, to have this now for people who are, who are looking for, you know, how do I get involved? Um, and just, just check out our website, um, search Climate Champions, and you can, you can learn more about how to get involved with that. Uh, but yes, yeah, so outside of advocacy work, the other work we're doing, uh, you know, actively working on protecting and restoring land is a key part of our uh, climate strategy. We we really believe strongly in nature as a, su- a solution for climate change. You know, it, it it can help both with the mitigating the impacts as well as helping us be prepared and adapt to the changes that are happening. So we are working to protect more land and restore important hab- habitat. One of the uh, great examples of this is a project at Arcadia where we had some, there were some old farm fields that were not very productive. They were kind of wet uh, and we were using them as grassland, but they also weren't very productive grassland for, for grassland habitat. So we decided to restore them as floodplain forest. And this is just, it's a perfect example of a project that's working to, to demonstrate uh, how to do this, how to make a difference with uh, both mitigation and adaptation of climate change. With the floodplain forest, we're out there, we've planted 3,000 trees out there. So 3,000 trees, trees? Yeah. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's, help, a, help of, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. That's impressive. With the help of many volunteers. Um, and, you know, those trees are going to be growing and um, sucking in the carbon dioxide, but they also are creating this uh, this natural community, this floodplain forest, which is a place where water goes when we get too much water. So a big part of the adaptation uh, strategies that we're working on is thinking like, what do we do with excessive water? We know we're gonna be getting more intense storms uh, and our infrastructure is not built around the intensity of, of storms that we're gonna be seeing. So we need to have places like wetlands, floodplain forests that can uh, store water without it, you know, running across the landscape and causing damage. And so and for that those type of project is big. For the listeners who don't know what a floodplain forest is, head over to Arcadia in, oh, I don't know, the middle of April with the freshet, with the Connecticut River rising, and a lot of the land there, not a lot, but some of it is inundated with water, and there are certain species of trees that do really well with their with their trunks under underwater. And it's such a cool place to see a forest transformed really into a floodplain. It's so cool that you're doing restoration work, 3,000 trees. Uh, that's that's yeah, impressive. Yeah. Can you talk Absolutely. about the yeah. w- one of the other priorities of, uh, of, of Mass Audubon, which is this access to nature concept? Yeah, yeah. So we do have, we have three big priorities right now, which is cl- climate change, uh, protecting and stewarding land, and then inclusive and equitable access to nature. So uh, that's, you know, that's a big one right now. It's, it's in the, it's in our national conversation is thinking about equality and how, you know, how do we, how do we make some serious strides from, from where we've been. And so we've been evaluating a lot of things internally um, about how we're structured, but also how our programs are structured and who we serve. And we've been really working on making sure that we are serving everybody in the Commonwealth. We don't want to be limiting who we serve because of, how we're structured. So, 
so we we want to make sure that we're serving them, and we also want to make sure that everyone has access to nature. That's something that uh, you know I think a lot of us take for granted in Hampshire County that a lot of us have this have great places to explore. Um, but you don't have to go too far, you know, just down into, into Hamden County and some more urban areas where access to nature is, is pretty limited for some folks. Um, and so part of our goal is to create some new urban green spaces ac- across the state with, with Springfield being one area that we're focused on. Uh, and then we're also hoping to really engage a lot more people, really, you know, doubling the number of people that we serve from low-income families and from communities with people of color, um, so really trying to make some strides in in having everybody have access to both our programming and to, to nature in general. An um, admirable goal. That's that's wonderful. We don't have a whole lot of time left, but I do want to get at, at, at one issue. Um, I n- know that Arcadia is one of the top birding hot spots in all of central and western Massachusetts, and and uh, Mass Audubon really formed as, as sort of a, a – a, a, a birding society. Any cool, uh, new, uh, super cool wildlife viewings out there recently? Um, you know, that's a good question. I haven't heard of any anything new. You know, this is a, this is a great time. Although it's yeah, coming to the end of the of fall migration, but it is a nice time. Fall migration is still going on. Fall hawk, fall migration, hawk migration, right? Well, all, all you know, the songbirds as well, they're just a lot harder to see. So it's more the more serious birders who are out there in the fall looking for the songbirds. But it's, uh, you know, spring is, is known as the as the birding time because migration is happening when the leaves are off the trees. Uh, it's a lot harder to see the to see the songbirds as they're coming through in the fall. Um, but they are coming through. And so there are people that, that are out there, um, you know, listening and looking uh, but it, it you know it's a lot it's a lot harder this time of year um, but yeah the hawk migration is something that's a lot more accessible and uh, you know Mount Tom is a great spot to view to do the hawk migration and some other um, some other spots throughout the valley very very cool uh, we're running out of time Joan unfortunately but uh, a lot of listeners might be interested to know what they can do uh, to get involved with mass Audubon and how can they contact the sanctuary, or you, if they have additional questions or interest in the activities that you do. Yeah, yeah, we love folks. You know, always welcome people to get involved. We are a community-supported organization. We depend on the community for all of the work that gets done. Uh, we have a very supportive community that's gotten us to this point and allowing us to continue to grow. But we have these big goals and we have these big challenges ahead that we need to address. So we are dependent on new people continuing to get involved. Uh, and the best way to do that is to to stop by Arcadia, um, to stop by the website, which is just massaudubon.org, or for Arcadia, it's massaudubon.org slash Arcadia. Um, folks are welcome to reach out to us via email, if that's better, at arcadia at massaudubon.org. Um, lots of different ways to to try to contact us. But, you know, if you want to become a member, if you want to become a, a donor at a larger scale to support our programs, um, it's all it's all welcome, and it's all uh, you know a, a way that you can make a difference and, and be involved in our work. Jonah, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. We've been talking with Jonah Keene. Jonah is the Connecticut River Valley Director for Massachusetts Audubon, and again, encouraging listeners to get out and enjoy that beautiful fall color and nowhere better than Arcadia. Stick with us, and we'll be back with all that jazz after this break. 
This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Democratic Attorney General Maura Healey and Republican Jeff Deal clashed on everything from energy and education to abortion and whether those in the country illegally should get driver's licenses in Massachusetts during their first debate for governor Wednesday. Both candidates are working to shore up their party's base while reaching out to independent voters who make up the bulk of the Massachusetts electorate ahead of the November 8th election. Healy said she would actively work to protect access to abortion. Deal, who hailed the Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, said he would protect people's health care choices. Tenants 55 years and older are being sought for a $45 million five-story commercial and residential building planned for 79 King Street in Northampton. The developers of the 70-unit mixed-use structure on the site of Goggins Real Estate are Live, Give, Play and Spiritos Properties. The Gazette reports the project aims to help older adults who are looking for services and a community that will enable them to stay in their homes for as long as possible. The project is still raising capital. Groundbreaking is expected next spring. And Hadley police are still looking for any information on a 2004 white Ford Econoline van involved in a hit-and-run accident that left a 13-year-old boy in critical condition. The boy was crossing the street toward Cumberland Farms on Route 9 around 7.30 a.m. when he was struck by the van. Northwestern First Assistant D.A. Stephen Gagne says the smallest detail might be all that's needed to help solve this case. Showers will evolve into a steady rain this afternoon. It'll be windy with some gusts over 30 miles per hour, a high of 66 to 70. Those strong wind gusts continue tonight with some heavy rain, overnight lows of 52 to 58. Just a chance for a shower tomorrow morning, sunshine in the afternoon, a high of 66 to 70. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. UMass Hockey returns to the Mullins Center on October 14th and 15th as they take on Denver. Experience hard-hitting hockey as the back-to-back Hockey East champions look to once again defend their title. Tickets can be purchased by logging on to umassathletics.com tickets. Or if you can't make it, listen to all the action right here on WHMP, your home for UMass Hockey. 1401-1400-1240. WHMP, news, information, and the arts. Why work for just any hospital when you can work as a medical assistant, patient service rep, office nurse, or scheduler for Cooley Dickinson Hospital in Northampton? Cooley Dickinson is the winner of the Best Local Hospital Award by the Daily Hampshire Gazette's 2022 Reader's Choice Awards. Don't wait. Apply online at cooleydickinson.org today.
How long and how hard would you work to own your own home? At Pioneer Valley Habitat for Humanity, future homeowners contribute dozens of hours to build a home for their family, but they need your help. Thousands of community supporters have participated in this work since 1989. They create a partnership with a future homeowner and Habitat to build a home, strengthen our neighborhoods, and create a legacy for our community. Grab a hammer, lend a hand, build a better world. Volunteer and support Pioneer Valley Habitat for Humanity. pvhabitat.org. Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the afternoon buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, Valley Talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. When I was a kid, a bowl of cereal seemed incomplete unless it was topped with sliced bananas. And we knew where our bananas came from. They came from Chiquita. Our pineapples came from Dole. And our oranges came from Sunkist. We didn't think much about it, but we do now. We want food that hasn't spent a lot of time on a truck or in a processing plant. Around here, it's hard to miss the Local Hero label. Local Hero makes it quick and easy to identify food raised right here in Western Mass. Local Hero is part of CESA, Community Involved in Sustaining Agriculture. And Local Hero is just one of the things that CESA does to help Western Mass farms thrive. CESA helps build a strong local food system, working with farmers, stores, restaurants, so all of us have fresh local food choices. Look for the bright yellow Local Hero label and think about becoming a CESA supporter. Go to buylocalfood.org, find out what CESA does and why it's worth supporting, and bon appetit. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And it's 4.30, and Stan Torres in here with Ruth Griggs. Ruth, who do we have in the studio today? Hi, good to see you, Dan, um, and uh, welcome, audience, to Take 5 uh, for this uh, Thursday afternoon. And I'm really, really pleased to have an opportunity to have in the studio with me today Burns Maxey who is the president of the board of City Space in East Hampton, and Carol Abbey-Smith, who is on the board, and she's the clerk. Um, and I want to talk to them about none other than all of the opportunities for events and performances and uh, all you name it, uh, that can happen uh, over at City Space. And we just want to talk about not not necessarily, you know, like, what are we working on today in terms of the construction and whatnot? But really, let's talk about who is going to use that space and why would they want to come to the Blue Room and eventually the second floor. So, Burns? Yes, it's so good to be here with you, Ruth. Thanks for having us here with you. And, um, yeah, so City Space manages the old town hall so we manage and restore it and really activate it through arts and culture and creating affordable space for the arts. So we have tenants that are within the building that have gallery exhibition spaces, Big Red Frame and East Hampton City Arts. And we also, as you mentioned, have the Blue Room, which is a 80 seat, 175 person standing 
um, small space, and it's a space that's built out for all kinds of amenities for people to come in from the community of Western Massachusetts, use the space. We really encourage artists of all kinds, musicians, performers, community members, to use the space as a way uh, to generate income for themselves if they want to sell tickets. They can use the space for meeting space. They can have, uh, we have everything from theater performances to music performances to potlucks to video shoots. So it's really all over the map. And it's it's just fascinating because we weren't necessarily expecting to build out this space. Um, we had a former tenant, Flywheel Arts Collective, that was there, and they left in 2020 during the pandemic. And we thought, well, we don't want to ask another organization to have to take on the burden of this, this experience of trying to create performances when you have so many unknown factors. So what we decided to do is take some of the ideas from the second floor yep. um, for the 350-seat performing arts space that we're looking to build out in this big, beautiful 50-foot you know, ceiling mm -hmm. stained glass window space and start with the first floor, with the blue room. So we've started testing it, the out ideas out in that space, um, inviting folks in to book the space, as well as presenting our own programming, the Pay It Forward program. It sounds like it's you're kind of using it as an incubator space almost for totally. yep. the overall city space concept. Yes, yes. That's yeah. a, a great way to put it. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we've done a lot in this year. I keep looking back and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been one year, right, yep. Carol? Yeah, yeah. And it's been pretty amazing. And what we, I really love about it is we get people who come to the space for events and we get to take them upstairs and show them that wonderful space upstairs and bring more, just bringing more people in. And as you say, right, we've got Zumba in there. We've got, you know, kids' birthday parties, you know, everything, everything. Well, one of the things I think that's so refreshing about what you're saying is that you want it to be affordable space for the arts and for the community so that it, it's, it's, it's not just you know, another, we have a great music lineup and we're going to have it in this this location. But it's more like a, a, a community center. Totally. Because, you know, I do see on, on the website that it's like, what, $40 for, for an event? For a public event, but 25 for a private event on non-weekend nights for an hour yes. or $250 for a full day. A full and day. We, we, and part of Part of the work that we do really is to be transparent about the the work that we're doing overall to provide a model for hopefully for other cities and towns because we're really stewards of this building. It's a city-owned building, but we have a long-term lease with the city um, to maintain it as a place for arts and culture and community. Um, so we have we provide this this model transparency in our, our costs um, as well as you know if you book the blue room um, and it, you're providing a public event we provide you with some marketing tools as well as um, some folks that can help you out with tech so we have a tech list so if you're a person who knows how to run sound and lighting then you can get on that list and and be a part of, of the events that are happening within the space mm. so it's, we're really building a community here um, that already exists, but just inviting people into the building. Well, I know that uh, Valley Jazz Voices has um, enjoyed having uh, a concert there after it was the Blue Room. It even was there when it was the Flywheel Collective. But 
um, and I saw Wanda Houston there um, a couple of weeks ago, and the spirit in that room, the Valley Jazz Voices concert in in, uh, May, people were just having a grand time, and same thing with the Wanda Houston. There's something about that space. It has a very positive karma, and in my humble opinion, it's a lovely size Mm, because it holds enough people so that you feel like, Wow, I've really got an audience here, but it's small enough that it that you feel like you're in community with the people in the audience. And because it's in this wonderful old building, it has a lot of character. Um, and so and and it has a stage. So you feel like, oh, I'm up on stage. <laughs> so it, it's just to me, I've I've always loved the space, and I love it even more now that it's the Blue Room because I just think it offers just a combination of things that's that's really delightful. Yeah, it's so good to hear you say that. And really, we have uh, outfitted it so that it can be used for performance. It can be used for you know if you have a, an event. Say we have folks that do fundraising events, they will, a nonprofit will come in and they'll set up with cafe tables and bistro tables. We have projection screens and mics and, um, you know, really just making it so that you don't have to bring in, schlep in a lot of stuff right. that you'll, you're ready to go and, and take your event to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Carol, what's an example of one of the most surprising events that's happened at the Blue Room, in your opinion? Surprising <laughs> events. Well, or, I, I didn't get to go when I really wanted to. It was the Gamelon um, workshop and orchestra. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, somebody's out there doing that locally. We've had some wonderful theater events um, it's a small space, but they got a stage set up with, you know, set and everything. We've got theatrical lighting. And again, that, that intimate space does make you feel like in the old days when there was theater in the round that you were really close to everything. So it has that feel there, which I think is really wonderful. And the acoustics are surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Really surprisingly good, I think. I, yeah. I've had, I've had um, musicians approach me and say, like, could I use the blue room to just like do a photo shoot or to do a video shoot, like bring the band in for, you know, set up for mm-hmm. an hour, shoot for an hour and then break down? Mm-hmm. They sure, could for do- sure. Yes, we had a, a, a video shoot there this past weekend of a metal band, you know, so it, and then we've had photo shoots by artists. We have an artist in there that's part of our pay it forward program that is using the space for a residency for a week. Um, and that's more of a, a, a programming opportunity rather than a booking opportunity for, for us and for the community at large. Um, yeah. So we're going to have to break in, a, in another minute, but l- l- we want to talk a little bit about the Pay It Forward yeah. program. What, what is that? And then we'll come back and hear about it in more detail. But what's the Pay It program? Forward program. So the Pay It Forward program is a program that we launched this year, and it's just in its pilot phase right now. And it invites artists to come in, use the space for a short-term residency, and we pay them to um, provide a public workshop or performance or something mm-hmm. working with the public, um, and they get to use the space and incubate their ideas. We also connect them with one-on-one consultations as well as uh, with other peers within the residency program to help continue to build that community. 
Cool. I want to hear more about examples after the break. So I'm here speaking with Burns Maxey and Carol Abby Smith from City Space in East Hampton. Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Got some questions to ask of you. Elections are coming, really, very soon. And here to focus on the high stakes and important races across the nation and in Massachusetts will be Josh Silver, the executive chairman of Represent Us, who will be our guest Friday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday local burgers and fries? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Local burgers and fries, spiked milkshakes, and more. It's not fast food. It's good food. Fast. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. Hi, this is Dr. John Corsetti, President and Sports Surgeon at New England Orthopedic Surgeons, the premier subspecialty orthopedic group in Springfield, East Longmeadow, and now Northampton. No matter the season, our team is ready to tackle any orthopedic injury from shoulders to ankles and everything in between. Here's this week's injury wrap-up for your New England football team. Running back Damian Harris left the Detroit game with a hamstring injury and didn't return. He's questionable for this Sunday. Wide receiver Nelson Aguilar was kept out of Sunday's game with a hamstring injury and is questionable to return this Sunday. And wide receiver Ty Montgomery has reportedly been nursing a knee injury since before the season, and while he is eligible to play, he'll remain on IR for Week 6. This week's injury wrap-up is brought to you by New England Orthopedic Surgeons. So, if you want the best orthopedic team to give you the best individualized care plan, then visit neortho.com to schedule your appointment. New England Orthopedic Surgeons, we help people get back in the game. Picture perfect days in the valley, and there's not a better place to celebrate those perfect days than at the Bridgeside Grill in Sunderland. The Bridgeside Grill has undergone a stunning transformation and expansion, and now it's time to revisit one of your favorite spots. Check out the new and expanded bar area, or dine outside on the patio. The Bridgeside Grill is open Tuesday starting at 9 a.m. and serves breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And don't forget about Sunday brunch and live music every Thursday and Sunday. The Bridgeside Grill, right in the heart of downtown Sunderland.
This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. We're back uh, on Take 5 this Thursday afternoon, and I'm really happy to have in the studio with me today Burns Maxey, who's the president of City Space in East Hampton, and one of her leading board members, Carol Abbey-Smith, who's a, a, a vocalist and a, and a fellow Northampton Jazz Festival board member and, and bud. And we're having a really interesting conversation about the Blue Room, which is the space on the first floor of the city space uh, old town hall building in East Hampton, as sort of an incubator for the arts, for the community, and for the 350-seat theater that they're uh, working on creating on the second floor. So where we left off is we were talking about this pay-it-forward program, and you talked about it being um, an opportunity for artists to take up residency and that you pay them and support them with education. Can you give us an example, Burns, of, of an artist that, that has gone through this program and, and what kind of things happened? Sure. Just well, it, it's, it's a pilot program, so we're testing out all of these ideas that we started with at the middle of last year. So we worked with our board and our advisory committee to develop an application, and we, we thought about, well, who are we connecting with? And that was a key point and sort of developing, thinking about the organization as a whole and who do we serve. And, you know, when 2020 came about and the pandemic hit, we were in the midst of a capital campaign for the second floor. Um, and so we, we started to think about, well, how do we differentiate ourselves with other performing arts organizations within the region? What we, what we thought about is how, well, you know, we really want to connect not just with East Hampton. We have been pretty East Hampton-centric, I would say. But we want to really connect and serve the Western Massachusetts community, and really specifically Hamden, Franklin, and Hampshire counties. So the Pay It Forward program prioritizes artists who live with any of those three counties, are low-income, and people of color. So artists who really need access to space. And so uh, applications came in, artists of all types of performers mostly applied from those three counties. And um, we've had artists come in. This week we have Ebby Russell, who is uh, a movement choreographer and visual artist who has taken up residence and spent the week to develop a workshop at the end of this week. Um, we, we started with Doctora uh, Gigana uh, Diana Alvarez, who is an amazing vocalist and uh, installation artist mm -hmm. and multimedia artist and just so well-spoken, and I can't speak enough about Diana, um, what started off the program. She came in and really set up a space to create community and present work that had been in process for a number of years. Something that she was really interested in connecting with was re other residents within the program, as well as learning a little bit about fundraising, specifically about crowdfunding. So we connected her with one of our board members mm -hmm. who has uh, Peggy Tardoski, who has extensive work with crowdfunding. So that would be like a, an example of a one-on-one -on -one consultation that happened. 
That's great. So yeah. it sounds like it's it's very customized to what the artist needs, and totally. you're just you just become a resource to that individual um, mm-hmm. as needed. That's that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, is there any is there any way like it, you know I know that you talk a, a lot about fundraising for the the build out of City Space, the second floor. Is there any way to become involved, um, like as a member of City Space? Is there anything like that? Yeah, so we also launched a membership program this year, and it's really targeted to folks who might want to use the Blue Room, um, especially. So there's discounts in usage of that room, as well as discounts in events that um, specific events that are happening in the Blue Room, um, as well as some other perks um, throughout. So if you're interested in um, using the Blue Room for your own events, um, it's a great way to get engaged with the organization and um, cut back on some of the costs that are already affordable. Um, could could a, could an arts organization become a member, or is it just for individuals? It's really individual-based, but an arts organization, um, there certainly have been folks that are part of organizations, and they just use the discount through their name, so when they book the space. That's interesting. That's a, I like the fact that you're coming up with sort of new models, creative models. You're not, you're not just sort of doing the same old, same old. Um, so, so that's really cool. Let's make sure that we clarify the fees that the community mm. uh, should know about for using the Blue Room. Can you give us more sure. detail on that, Burns? Uh, um, the best way to find out about our the fees associated with the room is to go to our website at cityspaceeasthampton.org, um, and you can learn about all the fees that are associated. So there's a difference between a private event, which is $25 an hour versus a $40 for a public event. Um, and that's a private event. What that means is something, you know who's coming to it. Um, it's your child's birthday party it's a, it's a with a magician party. on the stage. Right, right. Yeah. It's a private meeting. It's, it's something that is not publicized. Um, whereas a public event is something that people know about. You want to put it on your... Valley Jazz your, Voices. Right. You want to put it on your Instagram account or something and say, hey, come to this. Yep. So. Still very affordable. Right. So speaking about all these different kinds of events, what's coming up at the Blue Room? Let's make sure that the you know our audience knows about those events. Uh, well, this weekend, um, we have Rebecca Hartka. Mm-hmm. And I, who she, I forgot that it's Duo Mundo, and Rebecca is a beautiful cellist. Classical Cabaret. Yep, Classical Cabaret. At 3 yeah. p.m. on October 16th, this right. Sunday. And um, next up is Harold's Jazz Night. Yep, with Evan Arnston and uh, Matt Munisteri and Greg Lockman. And it's going to be wonderful music again. I mean, just beautiful music. What do you mean, Carol's Jazz Night? Well, Burns talked me into calling it Carol's Jazz, jazz Night. I really just wanted to say Jazz Night, you know, Blue Room Jazz Night. But anyways. Is Car- it, Carol, is Carol it? always wanted a jazz club. Right? Uh, yeah, so this is my. Oh, it's Carol's Jazz Club, right? Because <laughs> right. it used to be at the 121 Club. That's right. That's so, right. so So is it just one performance or are there other performances? No, we've got a bunch of others. Well, we had Wanda Houston last month, so it's once a month right now. And then we're doing a major fundraiser um, in November. November 16th. 16th, yep. Um, with a group from, well, there are a lot of New York players and some from the Berkshires. Um, Natalia Bernal, who has an amazing voice. Beautiful voice, beautiful voice. And, and Jason Ennis uh, on guitar and four, three or four other players. 
So that's November 16th? That's November right. 16th. And that's part of a fundraising Fun. event called City Space Presents. And we're starting off with a Halloween swing with the O-Tones on October 27th. And we invite people to come get in their swing outfits and get some good good treats, some food, some specialty well, drinks. Well, if I dress as a witch, can I just come and swing as a witch? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so, Absolutely. so you don't have to be in like a swing no, outfit. No, there, there, there will, no. There, just be ready to right, dance. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Be Do ready to have fun, dance. Um, we'll have tours of the second floor. There'll be food. There'll be drinks. October 27th? October 27th at 6 p.m. And then Lloyd Cole is doing a special performance on um, November 5th at 6 p.m. Um, and so that's also part of City Space Presents. And just to give you an idea of a little taster of an alternative uh, event, is bar- the Barn Identity with Erica McDonald. So it's a theater event. So, you know, it's music, theater. We also have Zumba. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... <laughs> and you have Birthday Halloween. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So again, just just in closing, Evan Arnson is coming up when again? Wednesday, the nineteenth. Wednesday, the, so that's next Wednesday. Yep, next Wednesday. Wednesday, the nineteenth. Okay. Yep. So thank you so much. We've been talking to Burns Maxey and Carol Abby Smith from City Space. And if you want to see all of this information, you go to CitySpaceEastHampton.org. Yep. So you got it. Keep up with all the great events happening there. Thank you both for coming on to Take Five this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Every day's a holiday because you're married to This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMT. A small room, a whole room where you can smoke your pipe away with my wee head up on your knee. We will thrive on, keep alive on it happens all over Massachusetts. Anytime I choose. In every home and every community. Be careful on your bike. Learning can happen anytime, anywhere. Hi guys. We'll see you at practice this weekend. And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, Desi is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. Imagine working hard for so many years Live and reaching and your retirement and totally to for find Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group Station. It's-